the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. And as we mentioned last Sunday, Psalm 23 is a magnificent psalm. It has brought more comfort and more encouragement to more people than any other passage of Scripture. And the reason for this is because this psalm, like no other psalm, like no other portion of the Word, touches all of us deeply because it's in this psalm that David tells us that the Lord is like a kind and tender shepherd who personally cares for us as his own sheep. See, there's something very special that resonates within our souls when we think that God is, is actually our shepherd who, who takes a, a personal interest in each of us individually as his own precious little lambs. Louis XIV of France called himself the Great. When he died in 1715, after a reign of 72 years, his funeral was as magnificent as his court. His body lay in state in a golden coffin, and orders were given that the cathedral should be very dimly lit with one solitary candle set above his coffin to illustrate his greatness. Thousands waited in hushed silence. As the bishop began to speak, he slowly reached toward the candle and snuffed it out, saying, Only God is great. Welcome to Verse by Verse, a radio classroom of the air taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor at Lakeside now for more than 30 years. His teaching method is what Bible students call expository, or verse by verse. Hence the name of this program. We're glad to have you with us today as Pastor Steve moves into the second in this series of messages on the 23rd Psalm. Isn't it amazing that the only one who really is great, God, is so vitally interested in you and me? I think about that with wonder and gratitude every day. We'll begin our class today with some review, and then Pastor Steve will lead us into some new territory as we consider how God restores us. If you have your Bible, open it to Psalm 23, verse 1, and let's open our hearts to what God has for us in today's lesson. Well, the story is told about an elderly Puritan believer who was so thrilled with just how good God had been to him and all that God had provided for him that one evening, as he sat down to dinner, finding one potato and a glass of water, he exclaimed, all this and Jesus Christ too. He was just so thrilled. You you know, that's really the kind of attitude that every single Christian ought to have. We should be so grateful to God for all of his kindness in providing everything, and I mean everything that that we really need on top of having Christ as our Savior. The question is, how do we develop an attitude like that? How do we cultivate a genuine heart of thankfulness for all that the Lord has given to us? In fact, 
there's even a more basic question to ask. How do we cultivate a mindset that even recognizes that God has provided everything that we need? Well, one way to do this is by understanding this wonderful psalm that we began studying last week, and that's Psalm 23. So if you're not open to the psalm, I invite you to do that now. And and as we mentioned last Sunday, Psalm 23 is a magnificent psalm. It has brought more comfort and more encouragement to more people than any other passage of Scripture. And the reason for this is because this psalm, like no other psalm, like no other portion of the word, touches all of us deeply because it's in this psalm that David tells us that the Lord is like a kind and tender shepherd who personally cares for us as his own sheep. See, there's something very special that resonates within our souls when we think that God is is actually our shepherd who who takes a, a personal interest in each of us individually as his own precious little lambs. And what makes this analogy especially significant is that it it comes from none other than King David. Because prior to becoming king of Israel, David was a, as you know, a shepherd himself. And so he was very familiar with the special relationship between a shepherd and a sheep. Therefore, he writes this psalm not from the standpoint of one who knows only in theory or only academically how a shepherd treats his sheep. But David writes the psalm as one who knows firsthand, as one who knows experientially the ways of a shepherd with his sheep. And what is so fascinating about this is that David actually writes Psalm 23 not as a shepherd, but rather as one of the Lord's sheep, one of his lambs who's, who's been the recipient of, of his shepherd's care. As he tells how good and how merciful God as his shepherd has been to him by providing for all of his needs. And that's why the key verse to Psalm 23 is verse 1, because it really, it unlocks the door to understand all the other verses in the psalm. Let me show you what I mean, and this is really somewhat review, but I realize some of you were not here last week, and it's always good to remind us of where this psalm is coming from. David begins, notice, verse 1 by saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, what he's telling us is that because the Lord is his shepherd, he has absolutely no needs because his shepherd has faithfully met every one of them. But what are those needs? Well, that's really what the rest of the psalm is about. That's the structure of the psalm. As David, from this point on, tells us how the Lord has provided for every one of his needs, and he names them one by one. So he starts off with this general statement, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then he explains to us how his good shepherd has met all of those needs so that he has no wants. And that's why, folks, this psalm is very encouraging to all of us because if the Lord has been so faithful to meet every one of David's needs, then we can be certain that he will be faithful to meet every one of our needs. See, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then David's shepherd is your shepherd because you're one of Christ's sheep for whom he died, and therefore he is just as committed to providing for you as he was for David. So the question is, what what then has the Lord provided for David? What, What are his needs? Well, that's what he testifies in the rest of the psalm. 
And really, as I said, this is the heart and soul of Psalm 23, because the point of this psalm is to explain to us how wonderful our divine shepherd is. It is a psalm that exalts the Lord as we see how he's provided for us. That's why I said a few moments ago, the way the psalm is laid out is that after opening the opening line, declaring that the Lord is his shepherd, he has no wants, David explains in the rest of the psalm what those needs are that God has met. And now, based on what he tells us, we know what he's not talking about. We can eliminate certain things when we think about needs. We know that he doesn't mean that God has provided anything and everything that he wants. That would be contrary to the rest of scripture, and we talked about this last week. Nor does he mean that God always gives him all the material luxuries in life so that he can just live lavishly. We know that's not true because that would violate scripture as well. Nor does David even mean that God provides everything that he thinks he needs. No, what David means, and this is the key, this is one of the keys to this psalm. What David means is that as his loving shepherd, the Lord always provides him with those things that are good for him, those things that he needs, note this, to have a strong and healthy relationship with God. That's what this is about, his relationship with God. In other words, David never lacks anything that he needs to walk in fellowship with the Lord because God always provides those things. He's talking about his relationship with the shepherd. Now, once again, I remind you that sheep are perhaps the most pathetic of all animals because they are the neediest of all the creatures that God has ever created. Sheep are the neediest. Here's the way one man who understands sheep described him. In explaining that God compares us to sheep, he wrote this. This is not a very flattering picture of us because sheep are not the most intelligent of animals. Sheep are, in fact, rather stupid. They can't provide for themselves. They can't defend themselves. They are prone to wander off and get lost. The prophet Isaiah put it this way. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. So, in comparing us then with sheep, David is saying that we are just like these dumb, woolly animals in the sense that we are incapable of caring for our own spiritual welfare. In other words, just as literal sheep are unable to take care of themselves physically, so we are unable to care for ourselves spiritually. Because just like them, we do go astray. We make foolish decisions. We are easily frightened and fearful, and we are defenseless against enemy attacks. Therefore, we're just like literal sheep in that we are totally dependent upon our shepherd to provide for our spiritual well-being so that we can live a life that is pleasing to him and satisfying to us. That's why starting in verse 2, as we saw last week, David begins to list those spiritual needs that the Lord has so graciously met in his own life. And what encourages us is that these are the very same spiritual needs that you and I have so that we can trust our shepherd to provide for us just as he provided for King David. As we discovered last Sunday, the first need that we have that David mentions is the need for rest, the need for rest. Verse two, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Now in this statement, David has given us a very beautiful, very tranquil picture of sheep at rest. They are depicted as lying down in plush green meadows, pastures, as well as they're standing beside 
very calm waters. Now, contrary, and you may have read this in some books, but contrary to what some people think, David's point is not about the shepherd leading his sheep to green pastures or quiet waters so they can eat and drink. He's not doing that at all. See, from what I understand about sheep, sheep do not eat or drink lying down. They eat standing up. So this is not about sheep being sustained and nourished by green grass and fresh water. In fact, later in the psalm, David will speak about how the Lord provides a table for us in the midst of our enemies. And I take it he means a a table of food and nourishment. But here, the picture is one of perfect rest. These sheep are peaceful. They feel comfortable enough, restful enough to lie down and, and to just relax. And that's significant because as you recall, we said this last week, sheep do not rest easily. They are skittish creatures, edgy and restless animals and prone to panic, being afraid and bothered by just so many things. Skittish is really a good word to describe sheep. But when the shepherd is present to take care of those things that bother them, they're just not afraid. They feel comfortable because they know that their shepherd will take care of all those things that cause them restlessness, the fear of other animals, conflicts with fellow sheep, flies, parasites, on and on it goes, and thus they're comfortable to lie down. They rest. Now the principle that David is is making, the point that he's making, I think it's rather obvious. Our shepherd, the Lord, gives us rest. He gives us peace in our hearts so that we're not filled with anxiety. We're not filled with fear, fretting, nervousness. Listen to what Jesus said to his disciples in John 14, 27, which is significant when he said this. This was just hours before he was arrested and they were about to go through the greatest trial of their lives. This is what he said to them. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, the peace that Jesus gives, he says, is real peace, contrary to the artificial peace that the world gives. The world gives an artificial feeling of of relief, but it's not lasting peace. It's not real peace. It might be a feel-good sensation, but it's not real peace. The peace that Christ gives is peace in the midst of any circumstances, the trials of life, troubles, difficulties, not a removal of them, not an escape from them. That's the peace that he gives. And as I said before, he told his disciples about this peace he was leaving with them just before he was arrested and crucified, just before their world was turned upside down. They didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't understand. And Jesus is telling them that his peace is available to them. Now, folks, the way to have this peace, as we discovered last Sunday, is by, first of all, trusting Christ for your salvation so that you are no longer defiant and fighting him. You're no longer in rebellion towards God. You are, as, as Paul mentions in Romans 5.1, you are at peace with him. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God. The war is over. You're not fighting God anymore. This is the peace with God, that every true believer has. What follows then as a submissive believer and follower of Christ is that you move on to experience the peace of God, the peace of God, that experiential peace, that composure of heart 
in all kinds of circumstances. And you get this peace by believing what Scripture says concerning God being sovereign and in control of everything. There are no accidents in life. There's no such thing as luck. There's no such thing as I was in the right place at the right time. I was fortunate. None of that. If God is sovereign, that's not possible, those other things. When you receive the truth that as your sovereign shepherd, the Lord's ultimate purpose for your life is to make you godly, make you Christ-like. That's Romans 8, 28, 29. And you understand that the way he does this is by bringing all sorts of things into your lives, positive things as well as trials and difficulties. And he does this in order to mold you into the kind of person, holy person that he wants you to be. When you receive this truth, you really believe it, you really embrace it, you will experience this wonderful peace and calmness of heart. Something that you cannot explain. Paul says that it's beyond human comprehension, but it's real and you know it, and you experience it. You can't explain it to anybody else, but you can experience it. So when you really believe this about God, you trust his sovereign dealings with you, embracing the truth that whatever happens in your life, it's not by accident. It is sent, ordained by him for your own good. You will experience this remarkable peace, and you'll find yourself at rest in your heart, even when circumstances are horrible. Horrible. So the first need that David says the Lord as his shepherd meets is his need for rest. Not talking about physical rest, he's talking about spiritual rest. But that's not the only spiritual need that our divine shepherd provides to help us in our relationship with him. As David continues Psalm 23, he proceeds to tell us about a second need that our shepherd meets, and that is he meets our need for restoration. This is new ground, new material for us. Verse 3, the beginning says this, He restores my soul. Now, in this brief statement, David tells us that one of the needs that he has in his life is for restoration. Therefore, the Lord, his shepherd, he says, restores his soul. So what does that actually mean? What does he mean by this? What does it mean to have your your soul restored? Well, the Hebrew word, Old Testament written in Hebrew, the Hebrew word for restore It it has a wide range of uses. It is used in the Old Testament to speak of restoring someone to physical health. It's used of restoring the Jewish captives back to their homeland as they returned. It's even used of restoring or repairing a ruined city. But in all of its uses, there's one main thought. One main thought behind this word restore. It's that of returning something to its original state of bringing something back. That's the thought. Now, in light of the fact that in Psalm 23, David is speaking about the relationship between a shepherd and a a sheep, it seems obvious that the point he is making is that when he, like a wandering sheep, goes astray, he can always count on the Lord to restore him or to return him, he means, to the fold. See, one of the really bad habits that sheep have, and they have some really bad habits, but one of the really bad habits that sheep have is that they are prone to foolishly wander away from their shepherd and the rest of the flock. And off they go by themselves, they get lost, and that's when they get into all kinds of trouble. 
as we've already mentioned, sheep have no sense of direction, which as I told you last week, I can really relate to that. And they have no GPS that they're following around their necks. They have no sense of direction. So when they wander off from the fold, they don't know how to return. They don't know where they are. That's why their shepherd has to go after them and bring them back. Because if he didn't do this, they would never find their way back home. Here's the way one Bible teacher explained this very bad habit that sheep have of wandering off. He writes, when one is attracted, meaning sheep, when one is attracted to a clump of grass away from the flock, off he goes, and sometimes he's followed by several other woolly wanderers. Soon night falls, lurking in the darkness are hungry wolves, four-legged savages looking for a supper of mutton. The shepherd counts his sheep, calling them by name. Realizing he has a wanderer missing, he strikes out to restore that wandering member of his flock, calling its name and awaiting an answering bleat out in the wilderness beneath the eerie glow of the moon. Now, it seems that the point that David is making about having his soul then restored by the shepherd is this, just as real sheep, literal sheep, have a tendency to wander off from their shepherd So David says, he does too. He wanders. He knows that his heart is sinful and inherently weak. You can just read Psalm 51 where he speaks of his own sin. Therefore, he knows that he does tend to wander away foolishly, stray from the Lord, and that's what always gets him in trouble. Now think about what we know about David's life from the Old Testament. He was a man of God. God called him a man after his own heart, but he was also a man who had problems straying from the Lord. He strayed certainly in his adulterous relationship with Bathsheba. He strayed when he made sure that Bathsheba's husband was killed in battle. He strayed in the area of women in general by taking so many of them as his wives and concubines. And the Bible absolutely forbid that for kings in particular. He strayed by not being a good father to his many children. He was extremely negligent of them. I'm always amazed when Absalom died and he was so broken and cried out, Oh, Absalom, Absalom. And I always think, David, why don't you spend time with the young man before he died? He's a terrible father. He strayed when he took a census of Israel instead of trusting the Lord to protect the nation. And there are other issues in David's life too where he strayed. Listen, David knew only too well that his heart was prone to wander. He certainly could have related to the song we sing today, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And I'm confident that if David were alive today and a member of our congregation, he would sing as loud as anyone that line from the song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Back in 1911, a man rushed through the National Museum in Amsterdam right up to Rembrandt's famous painting, Night Watch. Then, he took out a knife and slashed it several times before anyone could stop him. More recently, in 1972, a deranged man slipped into St. Peter's Cathedral in Rome and attacked Michelangelo's beautiful sculpture, the Pieta, with a hammer. Two cherished works of art were severely damaged. What a shame to have to throw them away. But no, they were severely damaged, but they were not thrown away. Curators brought in the best experts who worked carefully and precisely to restore those treasures. They were worth saving. God feels the same way about us. Yes, we wander, but God wants to bring us back, to restore us to where we belong. 
in his sheepfold. This is verse by verse. It was a joy to have you here today as we study Psalm 23 in this series of lessons from God's Word. Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel is taking us verse by verse through this magnificent chapter that so eloquently describes God's compassionate care for his followers. Lakeside Community Chapel is located in Clearwater, Florida at 1893 Sunset Point Road. Perhaps if you're in town and need a place to worship, you'd like to spend a Sunday morning with us. We'd love to meet you. For more about Lakeside and how to find us, visit the website www.lakesidechapel.com or you can call us at 727-441-1714. That's also the number to call if you'd like to help keep these classes on the air. We hope you give regularly and cheerfully to your home church first, but without the extra generosity of listeners like you, these radio Bible classes could not happen. So I hope you'll pray about that. You can also find out more about Verse by Verse at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Perhaps you have strayed from the Lord, and maybe after listening today, you're wondering how God could possibly restore you. I hope you can listen to our next class because we will consider exactly that subject when we next meet. For Pastor Steve Kreloff, this is Jerry Peterson inviting you to join us then. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse. We are here to give you strength between. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.